Welcome to the EAU podcast. In this edition, we have Professor Alexandra Masson-Lecomte, a member of the EAU Guidelines Panel for Non-Muscle Invasive Bladder Cancer, discussing perioperative management of high-risk upper tract urolithial carcinoma. Are there particular challenges regarding administration of perioperative chemotherapy in high-risk UTUC? Yes, indeed. There are two major challenges compared to management of bladder cancer. The first challenge is impaired renal function. The gold standard treatment for localized high-risk UTUC is radical nephroureterectomy. Consequently, after surgery, renal function is likely to be decreased, compromising the ability of the patient to receive cisplatin-based chemotherapy if adverse pathological factors are present on the specimen. In a prospective trial of neoadjuvant chemotherapy followed by extirpative surgery for UTUC that was published last year in Journal of Urology, the median percentage of GFR change from baseline was less 40% after radical nephroureterectomy. The median postoperative GFR rate was 48 milliliters per minute, which is insufficient to receive adjuvant cisplatin-based chemotherapy. The second uh, challenge is the risk of overtreatment. Neoadjuvant chemotherapy has been widely recognized as the standard of care for urethral carcinoma of the bladder. But the problem with UTUC lies in the difficulty to properly stage uh, the cancer preoperatively. The upper urinary tract is difficult to access and cold curve biopsies are usually very small. And invasion is suspected using indirect imaging factors on computed tomography, such as tumor size. While T3-T4 tumors are relatively easy to predict, CT scan is unable to differentiate TAT1 tumors versus T2 tumors. Another way, the CT scan provides good performance in differentiating organ-confined tumors, TAT2, versus locally invasive tumors, T3-T4, but is unable to discriminate non-muscle invasive from T2. Treatment decision is based on the risk classification that you can find in the guidelines, but this classification is unperfect to decide for systemic therapies, as cohorts of patients treated by radical nephroreterectomy alone have shown that 30 to 50% of high-risk patients finally display non-muscle invasive upper tract tumors on the specimen. Those patients are unlikely to benefit from neoadjuvant systemic treatment, as those tumors rarely evolve to metastatic disease during follow-up. What is the evidence regarding administration of neoadjuvant chemotherapy? To date, there is no level 1 evidence for preoperative chemotherapy in upper tract urethral carcinoma. Some retrospective studies have proven its feasibility with promising pathological downstaging and complete response rates, as well as possible survival gain. One prospective trial with a low number of patients showed a 14% PT0 disease rate after radical nephroureterectomy and 60% of patients with a T1 or less residual disease. So very nice, very interesting rate of downstaging. Some trials are ongoing with cisplatin-based chemotherapy, but are likely to be underpowered due to small sample size. And up to date, the EAU guidelines do not recommend neoadjuvant chemo for UTUC outside of clinical trials. And what about post-operative chemotherapy? Post-operative, platin-based adjuvant chemotherapy is now the gold standard treatment in case of muscle invasive disease. 
The PUT trial was published in The Lancet by Alison Bertel in 2020 and was a major success in terms of proving the feasibility of such trials in upper tract. 260 patients were randomized to receive either platin-based uh, chemotherapy or uh, surveillance in case of muscle invasive or not positive disease after radical nephroureterectomy. The decision between cisplatin or carboplatin was based on postoperative renal function with a cutoff uh, GFR at 50 milliliter per minute. And this cutoff uh, is lower than the 60 milliliter per minute that is usually applied by oncologists. Most patients included had T3 and 0 disease with negative surgical margins, and this is approximately 80% of the cohort. The study demonstrated a two-year survival gain of 17% in terms of disease-free survival with a two-year DFS of 71% in the chemotherapy group versus 54% in the surveillance group. In the 2021 update at ASCO-GU, the positive results of the PUT trial that had been observed for disease-free and metastasis-free survival were confirmed, and there was a non-statistically significant improvement in overall survival. Consequently, the 2021 EAU guidelines for upper tract ureteral carcinoma now recommend to administrate an adjuvant chemotherapy to all patients with muscle invasive or not positive disease after radical nephroureterectomy. Are alternatives to cisplatin-based chemo available? Um, only in clinical trials. In the adjuvant setting, one interesting study was published recently in the New England Journal of Medicine. Uh, this is the, the Checkmate 274. This study mainly included a ureteral carcinoma of the bladder, but 20% of the 700 included patients were UTOC patients. In this study, the Checkmate 274, patients were randomized between adjuvant nivolumab or placebo, uh, some of the patients had prior neoadjuvant chemotherapy and all were treated with surgery, a radical cystectomy in case of bladder cancer or nephroureterectomy in case of upper tract ureteral carcinoma. The inclusion criteria differed a little in case the patients were previously treated with chemo. Uh, all muscle invasive disease were included after neoadjuvant chemotherapy, while only T3 and T4 patients were included if uh, uh, no systemic therapy was administered before surgery. The adjuvant nivolumab was uh, given up to one year after surgery, and the results of this checkmate the study are in favor of adjuvant immunotherapy in terms of uh, disease-free survival, which was the primary endpoint of the study. There were some subgroups analysis uh, that revealed the possibility of a larger effect size in patients with bladder ureteral carcinoma than those uh, with renal, pelvic, and ureteral tumors, as well as a larger effect size in patients previously treated with neoadjuvant chemotherapy than in those who had not received neoadjuvant chemotherapy. So the application of those results to upper tract is still debatable, but this is an interesting study to know about. Regarding neoadjuvant immunotherapy, some trials are ongoing. Uh, the primary endpoints of those trials are mainly the rate of PT0 disease, which is a little disappointing, but some are looking at survival endpoints. Uh, you might have heard of the PURE02 study that was looking at neoadjuvant pembrolizumab before radical nephroureterectomy. 
This study showed a very low response rate in a small, unselected population of high-risk UTOC. So up to now, no immune checkpoint inhibitors can be administered outside a clinical trial in the perioperative setting. Decreased renal function favours neoadjuvant treatment, whilst the risk of overtreatment favours post-operative chemo. Do we have tools to go for one or the other setting? We have available nomograms. The robust collaborative group has published a nomogram to predict renal function insufficiency for cisplatin-based adjuvant chemotherapy following radical nephroureterectomy. This nomogram relies on age, preoperative GFR, BMI, hydronephrosis, and has an accuracy of 77%. Some interesting studies have also suggested to use imaging modalities, such as nuclear renograms, to predict the residual renal function after radical surgery. You also have nomograms available to predict non-organ confined disease or node-positive disease at the time of surgery. Combination of renal function prediction with preoperative evaluation of the risk of locally advanced disease could help uh, decide which systemic treatment modality would be the best for each patient. If a physician has a reasonable assurance of muscle invasive disease with a predicted GFR unsuitable for cisplatin-based chemotherapy after surgery, probably neoadjuvant chemotherapy will be the best way to go. On the contrary, if the risk of muscle invasion seems unclear, or if predicted GFR will be compatible with postoperative adjuvant treatment, then first-line surgery uh, is probably the best way to go. Of course, this attitude absolutely needs to be validated in clinical trials, since up to now we only have level 1 evidence for postoperative systemic treatment in Abatract. Thank you for joining Professor Masson Lecomte for this episode of EEU podcast on perioperative management of high-risk upper tract urolithial carcinoma. For further information on the EEU guidelines on upper urinary tract urolithial carcinoma, please visit our website www.euroweb.org forward slash guidelines. Further podcasts will be posted regularly on EEU guidelines topics. For more EAU podcasts, please go to your favourite podcast app and subscribe to our EAU podcast channel for regular updates.